The band that, that I formed and playing in Calgary, the Adivans, have uh, had the opportunity to play a couple shows with KJ Solo over the last couple of years. So I got to know him as a person, and he asked us to play the after party of their anniversary, uh, which was at the local 522. So I got to know him. I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. And whatever happened, and they were looking for somebody to play with them this fall, he asked me, and I said, you know, of course. So so it just started out as kind of a touring thing, but at this point now, like, I mean, the tour's over. What does that mean in terms of your involvement within the band now? Well, like, I'm in Chicks Dig It. Yeah. You know, but there's other people in Chicks Dig It, too. Okay. So Marco Flaherty, who lives in Spain, is in Chicks Dig It. Kepi Gooley's in Chicks Dig It. So it's kind of like a family. Right. And I think what they do is they look at who's available to play, and then, you know, they make a decision about who's going to play those shows or do those tours. So you're not Matt Skiba. <laughs> in Matt Skiba and Blink-182? <laughs> No. <laughs> when I'm you, Matt, sorry, I'm I just Matt, had to do that. I, I'm, it's Matt, joke. I, I'm Matt Skiba in Alkaline True. <laughs> so when, does, like, when did you start listening to that band? Because I imagine you've probably, you're not from Calgary, but, but you've probably been listening to Chicks Dig It for, for quite some time like uh, most of us have. Yeah, like I mean, I was a fan when uh, Born on the First of July was out. And, uh, you know, you know, like a... Uh, like I liked them, but when Scene to Shining Scene came out, I really liked them. And that album was my favorite album for a long time. And I still love that album. So, I mean, I've been listening to Chicks Dig It for, I don't know, uh, almost 20 years, I guess. So what's that like? I mean, 20 years after the fact, now you have your Mark Wahlberg moment and you get to be in the band. It, it's amazing. And what, what makes more amazing is that the guys in the band are, are just genuinely awesome dudes. You know, just fun to be around. Everything we do is fun. There's lots of laughing. All the experiences are super cool. The shows are great. Like, the crowd reactions are great. It's pretty amazing. So what's, what's that like then? You know, jumping from, and we'll talk about the Adivans a little bit more later, but what's that like going from, you know, a band that you formed and, you know, put out a record and had a local following, certainly, to going and jumping on, you know, uh, a band that's been well-established for a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, now you're touring with that band. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a dream that you didn't really even think was a dream come true, I guess. It's pretty awesome, Nate. Yeah. Like, uh, and not just that I've listened to Chicks Dig It, but one of my, like, genuine favorite bands. You know, like, I love Chicks Dig It. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really cool. And I, and I honestly think what's made it even more cooler, more, more special is how awesome the guys are. You know, they're just genuinely awesome dudes. And one of my good friends, even leading up, you know, before both of us were in the band, BJ Downey, I think he's kind of going through the same thing too. Right. Where he's been a long time fan of Chicks Dig It and playing the band. So there's two of us that are kind of, you know, it's new and amazing and exciting and all I, that stuff. I mean, it must be surreal. Like, has that surreal kind of part of it worn off yet? Or do you still feel like, am I fucking doing this? Like, am I, am, am I really in this band? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a bit of that for sure. Yeah, like yeah. the fandom is still present. I think it's always going to be present because I I love the music. I'm not going to stop liking or revering his songwriting any differently because I'm playing with him, right? Yeah. Like so, when we get to hear stuff that's new. Uh, it's just as exciting for me sort of being in that room or maybe even a different kind of exciting than listening to it as a fan. But, I mean, yeah, it's amazing, right? I would imagine, like, uh, there's been a bit of a camaraderie between you and BJ, too, right? Like, being the two new guys on the block and, you know, like, you must have a, a totally different connection now than you ever did before. Yeah. Like, the two new kids to the treehouse kind I think of thing. that, yeah. Yeah, knuckleheads, I think we're called, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, Chicks Digit just put out uh, the 2012 uh, record, I guess you could call it, or single. I I don't know what you'd call it, but um, has that been part of the tour at all? Like, playing parts of that or all of that? Or I I would imagine that'd be a pretty overwhelming thing to have to play live on stage. There was a snippet of it uh, played in Edmonton, but I think that that's going to be a 2017 Thing, playing that live okay that's uh, gearing up for that okay yeah. and just talk a little bit about that family i mean you said that there's all sorts of people you know that kind of come in and out of this band i mean what's that like you know just to to have this broader family past just the four current members i guess yeah well marco flaherty is the original guitarist and um great guy legendary funny dude and he's living in Spain now, so there's things that he does. Like, he did the last European tour that was just in, you know, uh, June or July. And uh, Kepi Gooley, who's, like, you know, a, a legend in his own right. Yeah, for he sure. plays bass. Like, you know, when we went down and played fast, Tim and BJ were both there, and they traded off playing bass throughout the set. And he's just an awesome dude to be around, too. Yeah. You know? So everybody, it's just like... I don't know. It feels natural. It's like hanging out with friends. Everybody's laughing. You, you know, it's just all about having a good time and having fun. Has the novelty of hearing, let's hear it for Billy. Let's hear it for Billy. That's never going to wear <laughs> off. Never. That would never wear off. That's never going to wear off. No. So let's talk about the out of ends then. Cause I mean, that's, uh, you, you know, I mean, locally here in Calgary, like you guys put out this record and you were starting to see the Ativan show up on a lot more bills. And, you know, you guys were, maybe that was just me paying more attention to it because now you've hit the big time. Uh, <laughs> I, was wor- I was worth your acknowledgement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I took a moment to take notice. Yeah, and I don't yeah. often do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, it, it kind of seemed like you guys were just hitting a stride. And uh, not to say that, you know, Chicks Dig It puts that away, but I mean, it must change the dynamic of, of what you do in the Ativans or, or how that band now progresses. I, I don't know. Um, I think it's still the, the same kind of thing. I think that our goals in the Ativans were more uh, local, if not regional, you know, and there's only so many local shows you can do. And part of the reason for that is the dudes in the Ativans, um, are, you know, I'm, I'm a busy guy, but the, the other guys are even busier. So it's hard for them to, you know, set aside lots of time for that or to make plans of doing long tours. And I think we acknowledged a long time ago in the band that we would never, quote, get in the van and do long tours. So To quote Henry Rollins. Does that sure. Henry Rollins? <laughs> Where are you pulling that out of? <laughs> yeah. It's a book. It's what it's called. Oh. Get in the van. Oh, is it? 
Jesus. I, what I, never, was, I was talking Henry to some Rollins well-read no people. Yeah, no, not about Henry Rollins. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Tick, stick it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, Full circle, uh, mate. Full circle. Yeah. Wow. Um, we haven't played a lot lately. There's some things that we're going to do next year. But, um, you know, I think the reality is, though, um, if I had to pick one, you know, I would I would pick to play with the Chicks Ticket for sure. And how are the guys in the band with that? Like, is that, I, I would assume, like, at this point, you know, in, in Steve, careers. Look at this guy. <laughs> He's trying <laughs> to get some dirt. He just hit it. It's a fucking Sunday afternoon, dude. Like... <laughs> Uh, throw some people under the bus Billy. you know you know you know what the reality is you thought rolling stone was hard yeah this guy look at this guy trying to make a name for himself off some poor local schlub wow you know, like just, high five is gonna, a big thing um, high five is a big thing yeah that's right well yeah this you yeah you've interviewed robbie robertson now and now you're gonna right? come right. uh no you know what um and this this is honest there's actually no drama about it like adam um who plays drums he's actually a friend since we both lived in Yellowknife and we've known each other since we were kids and he's uh really excited about it and super pumped about it and really into it so there's there's been no awkwardness or weirdness or anything about it whatsoever so the Adivans, where where does the Adivans go from here i mean you guys put out a, a record last year is mm-hmm. that when it came out landlocked yeah it was last year right uh yeah it was last uh, August, August 8th, we put it, it up. Such a beautiful day. Such a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we got new songs, and I think even when we were going to play a, a show a, 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 on January 6th at the Palomino, we've okay. got some friends, their band, they're a local band called The Detractions. Have you guys heard of them? No. I haven't, actually. They're releasing a record on that day, and they actually got on the same label as we did, Transistor 66 out of Winnipeg. So they've asked us to play with them, and not because of that uh, um, connection, but because we've actually been playing shows with those guys over the last three, four years, and they're a great fucking band. So we're doing their album release show, and uh, I think the shows that we're going to be playing moving forward, I mean, it's only a handful of songs off Landlux. We've got a lot of new stuff, and I think that the goal is is sometime in 2017, if we can find the time, is to record an EP. Okay. And just, you know, I'd like to play some shows in Edmonton, maybe play a show in Vancouver, you know, play a couple in Calgary kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So is there potential then for the Adivans and Chicks Diggit to, to tour together? Do you have that kind of that kind of pull within Chicks Diggit? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't think I, I have or would be looking for that kind of pull. I think my focus would be on, uh, you know, giving 110% in the Chicks Diggit when I'm doing the Chicks Diggit stuff. Yeah. You know. What was the highlight of this last tour? Because, I mean, you guys, it was, it was a pretty... It was a short tour, but pretty busy, right? And to end out in fast. Um, well, we ended um, actually with the prairies. Oh, we well, did, I don't we, do research for this podcast. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, but so we did, um, we, it was comprised of like uh, three or four trips. So we did uh, Eastern Canada. Okay. We did fast. We did Edmonton. We did West Coast and we did the prairies. And so, um, I, I mean, everything was kind of a highlight. I mean, it was really cool going to play Fest, obviously. And that was a fun show. We played with Direct Hit and the Copyrights and Wonky Unit and um, other bands. Yeah. And, other bands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Broadway Calls. Uh, I think there's like 450 bands that play Fest. No, I, I mean the show we played. Oh, I oh. gotcha. The actual show we played. Gotcha. Um, there is a lot of bands that played, though, uh, including uh, Propagandy. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, Eastern Canada was really cool. 
uh, playing Toronto Bovine Sex Club, awesome venue, and playing uh, Montreal and Ottawa and London at Call the Office. Like every, it's just everything's been awesome. You know, it's new. So going to these places with Chicks Dig It, everything has been really super fun. So you come from Yellowknife, right? Like, is that where I come you were? from all over the place. Is that <laughs> where you lived spent? there for like, ten, like formative years, like okay. teenage years was Yellowknife? So what's like, I don't know. I, I think most people probably have an assumption of what Yellowknife might be like. Mm-hmm. And what's that kind of scene like? How do you fall into punk rock, you know, growing up in or forming yourself <laughs> in Yellowknife? Well, I... Uh, my parents were split up, and so I came down. My dad was living in Calgary at the time. I came down and uh, uh, live, lived in Calgary for a couple years in high school. And I went to school at Western, and this was like in the heyday of Megatunes. And just previous to that, you know, like me and some friends in Yellowknife had like discovered Green Day and then, you know, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. We were like 13 years old. And you decide that the, that's the kind of music you like. So I come down to Calgary when I'm 15, and now I get to go to shows. And I get to go to, you know, um, record stores that have those kind of, that kind of music for sale. And, you know, you meet people that are like-minded. So I think that that was sort of the roots of it. Um, there's not a scene, per se, in Yellowknife. There might have been, like, one punk band in town. But there's, there wasn't places to go see shows. I mean, me and my friends played guitar. And we would, you know, maybe goof around at a party. But there wasn't a scene like there would have been here. You know, so I'm sure there's not a lot of bands touring through Yellowknife. You know, Gob played Yellowknife. <laughs> Is that the claim to fame? <laughs> that Good for Gob for going up there. That's, yeah, they have a music festival, so Gob played Yellowknife, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Weaker Thans played Yellowknife. That's more realistic to me. Gob going up there seems kind of funny. Yeah, but Gob was here like every other weekend when we were kids. So. That's right. Yeah, and I saw Gob when I was young a bunch of times here. Yeah, yeah, like seven bucks. At the Republic, you know? Yeah. yeah. With the Browns. I think it was the yeah. Black Lounge that we, they, they had like almost residency there at, it was like at one them point. them Beyond Possession and like Belvedere probably would play a lot. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine that, you know, with being in a, a band like Chicks Dig It, there's a little bit more um, pressure to be on the road. And, and I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like Chicks Dig It tours that much, but especially with an album coming out, is that harder to manage? Like with, you know, you've got a, a new er uh, kid on on your scene, you you've got a two year old, and is that is that become harder to kind of manage that time? Uh, here's the thing: um, all the families went out on tour for Eastern Canada. Oh wow! Really? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, all the the kids and the the spouses, and uh, that was really neat, unique for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other touring, it's 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 obviously planned. Uh, in advance enough that you know what's going on but we kind of um it was kind of built around weekends right you know so there wasn't uh, a ton of time away so we did a lot of shows you know 14 shows in two and a half months or something but the way it was spaced out was was you know i think it kind of reduced the impact of being away you know for a big chunk so like a sense of relief in that too like where you know you're going uh, from a band like the Advance, where you know you're probably doing all the booking and all the shows booking and you know i mean than going to a band like Chicks Ticket, where I would assume a lot of that is already taken care of. Like you're uh, kind of band leader in the Advans going to, you know, part of the band in Chicks Ticket. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of, you know, relief in that sense? Like where just, just you just get to play as opposed to kind of, you know, leading the charge? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, I'm 
clearly not uh, in charge in Jigs Diggit. I'm, you know, I'm never going to be in charge of that, and that's, um, I'm totally into that. It's great because uh, KJ does uh, obviously a really good job of that. But um, it's just different. You know, there's still a lot of stuff to do in Chicks Dig It, a lot of extracurricular, but it's all fun. And I don't think that, um, I think it would be tough to do this stuff if if you didn't really find the fun in it, you know. Um, I wouldn't want to do the Advance thing if all those little things weren't fun. Because in the Advance, when you're doing um, all the things besides playing the show, the show is only like 5-10% of the work. Right, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So, so with with you and Adam, you know, you met Adam. You said in Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. Were you guys playing together there before you guys met up in Calgary? Did he follow you here, or how did that all happen? And how did that all transpire? It was serendipity. <laughs> uh, Adam played in like the only punk band at its time in Yellowknife. He was a drummer, and Adam was a really good drummer. He is a really good drummer, and they were called Moon Doggy. And they were, like, clearly, like, super Green Day fans. Like, I think everybody was then. And it was, like, you know, they were doing that thing. And Adam moved away. I don't know. I can't remember when. And we saw him by chance on a Warp Tour trip. He was living down in Red Deer. And, like, you know, we reconnected that time. And then I had never seen hide nor hair of Adam ever again. Didn't know where he was or anything until the very first Adamant show. Because one of the other bands that was playing was a, um, a Yellowknife uh, connection, too. And he came to see them. And Adam Waddell was there at the very first Adamant show. And we reconnected then. And I said, hey, do you want to be our drummer? Because we kind of had a funny situation with that. We were just doing the first thing for fun. And he jumped right on board. So you meet Adam again, you know, years down the road. And you guys decide to start this band. I mean... Um, and then you guys have a, a different bass player than you currently have in your lineup. Mm-hmm. So you guys have had some transitional mm-hmm. members within the band as yep. well. So something you're not not used to, I guess, being in, in Chicks Diggit, where there's been you know, a lot of uh, people come and go from that band as well. Yeah, but I think there's well, I think that there's also been like a lot of like longtime stalwarts in Chicks Diggit. You know, the four guys besides me and BJ have all been in Chicks Diggit a long time. Right. And I think with, you know, different in the Ativans is that just for different reasons, guys just couldn't commit to it or, you know, weren't interested or moving away, you know, so that just kind of happens. I don't think the allure of playing in the Ativans has the same type of (laughs) allure maybe as playing in in other bands. So, yeah, like we had a bassist that moved away back to Yellowknife. And then we had another guy that his work commitments just got too crazy that he couldn't commit to practicing or to playing shows. So... Those types of things happen, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's kind of what I was getting at when we were talking about, you know, balancing everything. I mean, you know, when you get to a stage in in your life where you have families and you have careers and then you've got a band on top of it. Like, I mean, you know, you you mentioned, and it is unique getting to have your family come on the road. But, I mean, there must, just the commitment to getting together and jamming and, you know, writing and all that stuff. I mean, does it just get harder as as you get older? Well, I mean, it's just like managing your time. Like dudes play um, hockey or softball or they have other commitments or other interests in life. And so this is like my outlet when I have free, ta- free time, right, is playing music and playing shows, right? And overall, I mean, I think that there's people that have other interests that probably even commit more time. You know, like a few hours a week you jam and then, you know, you do a show here and there. And um, I don't think it's had a 
you know, like I think that there's times that uh, I, I, I should also acknowledge that I'm really lucky with my spouse, Lori, and I think all the spouses in Chicks Dig It in particular are really supportive of that, and they're one of the things that, you know, really helps drive that, you know, machine, and, you know, they're, cause when you're on the road, it's a little bit different. I'm speaking about, you know, for as far as the Adivans go, it's it's a little bit easier to manage, but, you know, the I think, you know, you got a supportive partner, and you manage your time and you just you know spend it on things that you're really passionate about so um you join chicks dig it and they have a pretty extensive catalog Mm -hmm. do you have to and like i've seen them and it doesn't seem like there's ever really a planned set list it seems like people just yell stuff out and kids like all right we're playing that one so did you have to learn everything well i learned you know a lot of songs and there has been a time where here and there where we've learned a song on stage <laughs> I, th- I think it helps that i know like i've listened i've heard all these songs sure yes it's not right so that helps you, right? it's not like a total surprise like i've never heard it before but it's interesting learning them on stage but i learned like i know you know i know over 40 songs okay you know that's a lot yeah that's a lot i mean what what was that first show Maybe it's not 40 but i know a lot <laughs> It's well, probably have you write them down for us afterwards? We could. Yeah, yeah. it and might be over for you. What, what was that first show like? I mean, were you, was it like playing your very first show kind of all over again? Because I imagine, you know, when you, when you start in a new band, you know, you don't expect probably hundreds or thousands of people to be there. And meanwhile, you're starting in this band and there are hundreds or thousands of people there. And you're playing songs that you've never played in front of a live audience before, except for the maybe the cover that the Adavans do. Um, so what was that like, you know, getting getting out there? So the first show was the Gateway Festival in Ben Goff, Saskatchewan, and which is a really cool festival. And Ben Goff is like totally, you know... Uh, off the beaten path. Oh, it's a world-renowned city, is it not? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, not only is it off the beaten path, <laughs> but I mean, like, you you have to like get off the the main highway to get there. There's not an airplane that goes right there. No, right. So I think there's like, and, and you know, there were some like Stampeders played in Sloan, and uh, you know, the Odds played Fred Penner, which was amazing. <laughs> it's a big name, but that was a family trip too. So, um, you know, the. Our spouses and children came out to that. And, um, you know, I think I got to practice with them. And I'll say this, like, yeah, I think I get a little bit nervous before every show. I think that that's normal. And maybe I was a little extra nervous for this one because of, you know, the the levity of the, or, you know, the magnitude of the situation. But um, uh, it felt pretty natural. It was tons of fun. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah, it's just it's fun. That's like the best way to explain it. Like there were no moments where you're up there and you're like, Holy fuck, where, where am I? And I don't mean on stage. I mean, in the song. Uh, yeah, that's probably happened. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. We all make mistakes, but you know, it's, you know, practice makes perfect. What's your favorite chicks to get song to play? Favorite chicks to get song to play. Oh, I really like playing miso ramen. I really like playing um, Welcome to the Daiso. That's kind of the first song we play most shows. Um, I really like playing GeoCities Kitty, which is the closer. Those are kind of the hits. When it gets to like songs that are maybe like um, not openers or closers, I really like playing CGIT. Uh, I like playing Brunette Summer a lot. Um, you know, I like playing uh, Ohio. You know, I don't... Th- let's put it this way, and I, and I mean this... Uh, uh, 
completely honestly, there's not a song I don't like playing, you know? So when you have, when you're in two bands, I mean, do you think that maybe you haven't done much writing in the Ativan since you started with Chick's Ticket, but do you think that that experience being in Chick's Ticket will inform some of your music writing, you know, going down the line, down the road? I, I think it will because, you know, I'm, I keep, you know, I, I'm, I get the opportunity to play, um, the music that KJ writes, which I really like, you know, when you, you, you kind of get an opportunity to play that quite a bit, right? Like those kind of things and those maybe themes stick in your head. Not that I would necessarily want to rip him off, but you know, you can certainly get a little more inspiration and certainly a little more, um, uh, you know, ideas for like melodies, maybe or harmonies to draw on, right? Just the way that he writes music, you know, you can't, I mean, he writes a good hook. Yeah. Oh, I mean, without a doubt. There's no doubt about that, right? So, um, and I, you know, when writing songs in Ativans has always kind of like been in spurts to me. Like I'll just won't do anything for like four months and then, you know, maybe write three songs in a weekend kind of thing. Yeah. So what does that for you? Like, I mean, you know, not to get all arty, but like what, what inspires that music that you write? Man, I should figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) I really should because it's really all over the place. I think Landlocked was, you know, they were kind of songs over, that were written over like maybe three, four, five years and put together for that where what we'll do next is maybe songs that were written together, written in a shorter period of time. So I think it'll be a little more linear as far as sound and and themes go. But um, I don't really know. You know, it's just whatever. Do you write from an autobiographical point of view or is it more storytelling well there's both like i mean i have a lot of autobiograph autobiographical songs but i also wrote a song in the last album about the movie the wizard yeah i know i was just gonna say i'm like <laughs> yeah. did you know listen to the album there's a song about the wizard on there yeah. that's freaking amazing yeah <laughs> this is how you get answers mike you ask questions well, that's why so you're a professional and i just so sit it's here kinda, and like it's, it's a little bit of both right <laughs> take a jab every two seconds <laughs> <laughs> yeah um with uh, I mean, obviously the wizard wasn't autobiographical, but, um, you know, like I, I'm curious when, when you, again, like kind of getting back to the age that we are, um, and you know, life kind of starts to feel a bit routine. Um, you know, does it get harder to write and find things to, uh, inspire that writing process? You know, like with a lot of, especially with punk music, you know, I would say a lot of it's either political or about girls. Um, and you know, when you've been married and you know, you've been in a relationship for quite some time and the breakups and startups aren't as frequent anymore. I mean, does it get harder to find that, that inspiration within writing music? Uh, what? Like, I don't want to say I don't know if you need the struggle to write. You know, I think what you need is what you alluded to the last question. You need like, you know, some type of inspiration to write about. So that could be about a multitude of things. You know, it could be about a past experience. I've written about things that have happened way in the past. It could be about like a current outlook or like an experience through somebody else's eyes or like you kind of said before, storytelling. So I think like the trick is, is, you know, no matter what you're doing, if you're like aging or going through whatever in your life is to not like get complacent, like to keep having fun and to keep getting inspired about things and, you know, keep, keep wanting to do the things that make you happy. Right. And I think that, you know, writing music is one of those things, right. For me anyways. So, um, I think it would be no different than, you know, we, I brought this up before to like a dude, my age, maybe playing hockey, you know, it's probably easier to not go play hockey, you know, on a weeknight when you're, 
in your 30s. But if that's what makes you happy, go play hockey. I, does Mike play hockey? Yeah, I, I play hockey and go to hockey at 11.30 at night. Right. But, and like struggle to get up and then go and then have a blast and come home. And people are always like, why do you go play? Because you love it. Because I enjoy it. It's something exactly. Do. It's my yeah. outlet. <laughs> yeah, totally. And this too. This is, this is an outlet good, yeah, for both you guys too, right? No, not for me. No, I just do it no, to hang no. out. <laughs> Nate's doing it for some. Yeah, what's what's the obligation? This is my gateway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I pay Nate. He's making yeah. a he's making a portfolio. I'm the, I'm the old only paid employee. Here. Yeah. Um, so as the podcast goes, we have uh, we put out top five lists every episode, and uh, we're coming to the end of the year. So top five albums of the year to you, Bill Dixon. Okay, so. I got a little bit of a local tinge to okay. this. I'm going to go with... Uh, it's themed is what you're saying? Themed. Okay, ask the question again and I won't say tinged. <laughs> we can't edit this out. There's, there's no editing in this podcast. There's no editing. Uh, Seth Anderson, One Week Records. Very good, yeah. Uh, Ghost Factory, Tales from a Nothing Kid. Also very kid. good. Yeah. Uh, great band, if anybody... Have you, have you guys both heard Ghost I, Factory? I, I don't... Mike... Mike has fantastic. I, I, he hasn't informed me about Ghost Factory. That's kind of how the podcast I'm goes sure here I have. too. I don't think so. Me. I don't think so. Right. Mm. Listen to right everything here. Mike gives me. Everything. It's time for you to check them out. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Okay. Great performance, dude. They're um, Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, Calgary. Band. Yep. Yeah. yeah, really good. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, the Mean Jeans, Tight New Dimension. Yeah, I really like that record. Good. Well, and see, here's something funny because we were talking about this earlier. Um, there were albums that came out earlier in the year that I would have picked to like, uh, you know, stand the test of a year that just didn't, you know, where you kind of, uh, was that, that album, obviously you probably listened to way more than, than anything current. What's your problem with the Mean Jeans, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the only one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're still listening to that, man? Really? <laughs> Are you ever going to grow up? See, I told you. I gave you the mean jeans, too, and you're like, Meh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, I really like the way you crafted the sort of rebuttal to that. Yeah, see, he's professional, <laughs> Did right? Did you think that it was really going to stand the test of time? <laughs> Like, th- did you really think it was going to last eight months? I guess what I did was, you, like, what I was, was trying that to say. Was a one-day flash in the pan? Was, you know, are there other records that you probably fell in love with earlier on in the year that maybe didn't didn't make it all the way to December? Well, I, lo- I really like that record. I really do. Um, and so I knew as soon as I heard that record uh, that it was going to be on that top five list. Do you know who else really loves that record? Besides Mike, is another friend of the podcast. You could see my mouth. Jay going. Jay Radke. Radke. Yeah, Radke loves that record. That's he. You know, he he like orders eight copies of everything. Yeah. yeah. So I got a copy of that record <laughs> in color of him. I think it's nine. Nine. Yeah, it's magic. So I got I got one of them off Radke, and then so um, number four direct hit wasted mind. Yeah, also, I was gonna maybe. say if Mean Jeans made it, direct hit must make it <laughs> why it's better record. this is the most critical it's this is the most critical it's been of anyone's list i know and number five uh, it's because he's a friend <laughs> number five and maybe this is my top i this might be funny or biased to me putting it on there i think you guys know what i'm gonna put on there i have no idea 2012 who's that by chicks dig it oh right yeah <laughs> and i think i can i i, I wasn't there when it's recorded um, but even if I was, you know, KJ did a great job of writing that. I love, um, what he did there. I think it's totally original and it's, I just genuinely love that song slash record. 
Yeah. So my that that's maybe a little bit biased, you know, but I'm gonna keep it it's on a my plug. top. It's a we plug. do allow plugs. It's a plug. On the show. I'm gonna yeah, keep. You can, you can plug it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna keep that on there. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I know that's gonna be on your top fives too. <laughs> is, is there an, a, a level of intimidation to having to play a song like that? Like, I mean, we've all probably seen No Effects play the decline at some point in our show-going um, uh, careers, and you know now that. I've never heard uh, a record, song, single, whatever you want to call it, uh, other than the, the decline that's been done in that same way. Is there like a, a level of intimidation having to maybe learn that that song, that that album, and then play that live? You never saw Inagata Davida. <laughs> it's a punk rock. <laughs> it's a punk rock uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, what else would there be? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I would, I, intimidation, maybe not the wrong word, challenge, you know? Okay. Got a, got a, got a challenge there that I, you know, it takes a lot to learn a 24 minute song. So uh, yeah, got to yeah. spend some time doing that and get it down. And I'm really looking forward to it. Do you know if it's been played like in one sitting? Um, I don't believe it has yet. Well, no, like they, it has like actually, you know, um, yeah, it has been, but I don't think in, in, uh, uh, in front of an audience, audience yeah. Most challenging song that like to learn yet in the Chicks Dig It repertoire? Okay, here's the thing. Um, you know, they're three, four chord songs. Of course. But they're, you know, there's there's things to them that make them all challenging, challenging in their, their own right. So, um, you know, there has been some that have been more challenging than the others, but I would say that um, it's not just oh yeah three chords simple like there's there's things to it right like there's just you listen to it and then you listen to it as you're going to play it and you'll just you'll find a little thing in in each song that's neat or a little quirk right that you know just gives it it gives it what it is you know that's 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 what made chicks dig it i, I, was, I was just gonna say i think that's one of the good things about chicks Day is, mm-hmm. is it at first listen you're like oh it's so simple but it's not no yeah it's, it's not. like the more i've listened to chicks dig it over the years i'm just like oh there's like a lot of little things in there that that you don't think would be there. Totally. Yeah. So I'll return to that question. <laughs> Most challenging chicks that, to get song to learn. Like yet. kind of the way like you answered uh, <laughs> the <laughs> mean genes. Who's gone. conducting this interview? <laughs> <laughs> the Dutch tree. That's right. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Marzipan. You know, I, I I would be able to figure that out, but I would need a little bit to think about it. But you know, um, um, I'm 2012, obviously. Okay. Yeah. You're still working on it. Yeah. Fair to say. Yeah, yeah. But we can look forward to it in 2017. Yes. Five years later. No, that's only not even one year later. Well, it's 2012, though. But it came out in 2016. Yes. No, it's true, but it's just a little clever wordplay. Do you know why it's called 2012? Because it was when Mark left the band? Well, I, I think what or it's moved based to on, Spain? it's their um, 2012 tour. Right. You know, and I, I know that it's, uh, and KJ said this in interviews, it's like a love letter to Mark or whatever. So, you know, that, that has something to, to do with it. But, um, yeah, it's their 2012 tour. So, and that's why it's got all the locations and the, the stories about them. And so it's really, it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, Bill. What are your top five lists? Oh, have you, you'll have to check the website. <laughs> we need hits, man. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck in 2012 with the Out of Ants and Chicks Dig It, and thanks for doing this. In 2012? (laughs)
Oh, did I say 2012? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys! <laughs> now he's a professional. <laughs> Yeah.